And I'm like, you know what? They're not acceptable losses. Yeah, unacceptable losses. Yeah, more like <laughs> clever. I hate us. I hate a us prefix. So much. Add a prefix. Yeah. Grammar joke. <laughs> This episode is going up late because I was on vacation. Sorry for having fun. We did attempt to record while I was away, but the quality was very low on my end. We do, however, feel like the conversation we had then was important and would like to insert the first half an hour of the episode in now. Please bear with us. We promise it's only half an hour and the rest of the pod will be back to the high quality you expect from us. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to our The 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 28-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I could be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. If I were trying to make myself useful to Dioza, I would... I mean, like, I'm gay, so I feel like that really covers a lot of bases for her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like badass moms. It has been revealed that she's a mom, so... Yeah. <laughs> And my name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada, but I am currently in Anaheim, California. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And if I were trying to make myself useful to Dioza, um, I could probably do some like stand-up or something. Yeah, I feel like she would enjoy you because you would give her all the entertainment she needs. Yeah. She is not surrounded by anyone funny. And today we have words to say about episode 507 of the 100 Acceptable Losses. So we have three different plot lines here. And also, new thing that we are doing just for this episode. I'm going to be leading this time because Robert is obviously like busy, you know, going to VidCon and Disney and all those fun things that I am not doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to lead. So we have three different plot lines. We have the bunker crew slash worm crew. Mm -hmm. We have the shallow valley, which is split up into spy mechanic and what I'm calling cabioza. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, thank you. So where would Sounds you like good. to start? Well, um, I'd first like to start by asking you toot or boot. Oh my god, thank you so much for asking because I forgot and I'm going to give it a big old toot. <laughs> I'm also going to give it a toot. I think it's on like the high end of the toots too. I yeah. really enjoyed the episode. Whereas like last week, or not last week, but I guess last episode was like a slap new toot. This one is a big yeah, toot. Yeah, big toot. Um, okay, agreed. Cool. Um, I would like to start with um, Cabioza, please. I'll take Cabioza <laughs> for take... 500, please. <laughs> Damn it, you stole my joke. <laughs> I hope it doesn't sound right. like I'm just like whispering in your ear. Like when I did a test of this <laughs> microphone, I was like, <laughs> it just sounds really intimate because you're like right by my mouth. <laughs> That's so yeah. weird. Okay, anyway, I'm ready for caviosa. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed it and then you had to go and so make it sorry. weird with the phrase, you're right by my mouth. <laughs> sorry. It's cool. Cool. All right, so let's dive right into Cabioza. Dioza is giving a rousing speech about sanctuaries while Kane holds a flower. What do you think's <laughs> up with Kane's flower? Okay, something that I noticed like right off the bat in this storyline is that they're like, hello, welcome to our home. Yes, you are welcome here for sure. Anyway, the word welcome and all of the other people are just like, let's shoot off guns. Let's stab things. Let's like, like they're just being super intimidating. So it's like really interesting. The difference yep. between like, I wonder if Dioza was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say that we're welcoming them, but actually they need to know what their place is before we even tell them that they're not allowed to leave this building. I mean, given how crafty she is, I yeah. think definitely she did that. She was like, scare them a little mm -hmm. so that they'll listen to me. <laughs> 
Anyway, so Dioza wants to know which of the defectors is useful and who can be trusted, but all of them still have to wear the weird shock collars that I still... I mean, they're just weird. And, like, even, like, later we see Raven, like, have actual serious wounds behind that thing. Like, that's that's really scary. Yeah, like, do they... Do they dig pass. in with spikes? Yeah, <laughs> big a hard pass. Big pass. But like, if it that. does, that reminds me a lot of the wristbands because the wristbands had like needles in them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that would make a lot of sense because the parallels between this and season one, I think, are really strong. Kane heads back to see Abby and finds Karina dead on the table, flipping rip. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Our uh, red shirt ship yeah i mean <laughs> we lost both of them which we dude saw i had no idea that was Tariq on like we'll talk about this later i had no idea no, that I. it was Tariq on the table and when <laughs> i was re-watching I. it with my mom today we were just like was he not blonde yesterday i don't know i truly i was like who is this and then they're like oh it's Tariq." and i didn't know until i was watching it with subtitles and they said Tariq, and i was like, and I was oh. like oh ouch okay didn't deserve this but mm. all right I want to point out that Kane enters this room and magically doesn't have the flower again. Uh, continuity. Call out post. Um, I'm, I'm bringing this up because it's going to happen another okay, time. Okay, okay. He ho- approaches Abby, who is, like, hiding behind a table and is, like, all shaky and in withdrawal and, like, God, Paige Jerkle's such mm-hmm. an actress. Abby says there was too much damage from the wound and she couldn't save her. I feel like a certain someone shoving an entire USB drive in a bullet wound probably didn't help. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking, like, when they were like, Karina didn't make it, Echo was like, oopsie daisy. You know, <laughs> okay. That's I wonder, bad. like, I don't know if you'll ever, like, be able to find this clip or not, but, like, did you ever watch The Weekenders? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> there was this one time, I'm pretty sure it was The Weekenders. If it wasn't The Weekenders, it was 16. But okay. there was this one moment, I think it was tish to carver and tish was like what do you say and carver was like oops and she was like that's it and carver was like oopsie daisy <laughs> that's what this moment reminds me of i don't know why <laughs> that's literally kate and abby is what did you do <laughs> who's dead flipping whoops apparently though abby was high while operating because they've got this pill bottle next to her that has the biggest text that says allegis on it like just in case you weren't sure yeah. where it came from well i was like I w- when i first watched it i was like oh got it yes i remember uh-huh okay well that's a clue and then kane was like you got it from allegis and i was like oh okay well he figured it out too okay never mind <laughs> yeah he like literally says it out loud and i was like oh oh okay so the, the props department let us correctly on this sure one. sure thanks anthony and interestingly abby says that the person who killed karina was octavia right i love this moment because i think i think abby being high while operating definitely interfered with her ability to save lives so i think she's kind of passing the buck there right i i fully understand okay like full disclosure i have an addiction like, I don't usually like to call it that, but I totally do. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, I don't really talk about it because it's, like, kind of, it's weird and it's embarrassing. But, like, ever since I was, like, I don't know, probably, like, 13 years old, I've had chronic nasal congestion. And so mm-hmm. I use 
nasal spray like probably five times a day and you know we've gone to the doctor to try and figure out like if I have an allergy to something or anything but it's just chronic nasal congestion and none of the like good for you like saline solutions have worked and so I just have to use this like semi bad for you chemical like five times a day maybe more it's like Mm -hmm. I can't sleep if I if my nose is plugged I can't think like the definition of an addiction is like what I have and I don't like Mm -hmm. to talk about it but like I thought it was important to talk about in this one like obviously it's not as important like I mean it's not as as like terrible as what what Abby's going through but like I fully understand what's going on like half the reason why like honestly it's like a thought in my mind when me and you talk about like what happens if the apocalypse comes like what are you gonna do and I say oh I'm fully just gonna die like Mm -hmm. no joke one of the thoughts through my mind is like I won't be able to breathe I won't have any nasal spray I can't go to I can't go to Walmart and get some more nasal spray I won't be able to breathe so I guess I'll just die no I think about that too and I think about that in terms of like the apocalypse thing, especially in terms of medication, because like I'm on antidepressants, like I'm weaning off of like a dependency on of benzodiazepines, which is why I relate so much to Abby's story. Like this story actually low key, like inspired me to, you know, try and move away from that whole area of addiction. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I wanted to ask is, so when you started, Kane mentions that like Abby has been escalating her pill use. Now it's two a day, one to work and one to sleep. When you started your nasal spray, were you doing five times a day or did you eventually just have to work your way up to that? Yeah, the first time that I was using it is because I had problems with... So, like, whenever I slept over at my grandma's house, she had this, like, foam... It wasn't a mattress. It was just, like, a foam, like, sheet underneath the mattress. And originally, that's what we thought I was allergic to because it was only at my grandma's house that I had trouble breathing during the night. And so, mm-hmm. originally, it was only to sleep because I can't breathe if I... Like, I can't sleep if I can't breathe. Okay. But it's gotten worse because, I mean, that's what the chemical is meant to do. It's supposed to, like, make it worse so that you can, so that you need more of it. And it's like, I almost- Yeah, it's supposed to make you dependent. I almost want to cry because it is something that I'm, like, really ashamed of. But it's also, like, like, never would I ever think about trying to stop. And the thing that I think is, like- I don't think you should be ashamed of that because this is actually a really common addiction. I think so too. And it is. And like, I've read about it. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ugh. I've read about it. There's forums, there's tons of people who have this same thing. Like, there's a lot of people who suffer from this. It is not just you, I promise. I mean, the thing is that it's so easy. It's so easy to do because it's inexpensive. Like, mm-hmm. I. At, back at home, I probably have four bottles just in my drawer ready for whenever. And I have yeah. like one for when I go out and I have one for right beside my bed. So like I have two that I'm using at all times. Like it's it's a problem that I have genuinely. But yeah. it's like I honestly like I know I'm skipping forward a little bit. But when Kane says like I need you to pick me or this thing you're addicted to. Like I relate. Obviously, I can't be like, oh, yes, also also terrible you know what mm-hmm. i don't know even what to call her thing like her thing is obviously much more escalated than my thing but like if somebody said mm-hmm. i need you to choose between me and this thing i would also have a hard time like please don't blame abby for no. what she's doing here because like it's a really hard decision 
I also like I think because we both have like different types of addiction mm-hmm. like I think we both have like a really good understanding of this plot line and in terms of like Kane's frustration especially in this scene where they're fighting is you can see why someone would be frustrated with an addict mm-hmm. because addicts especially within their addictions are very hard to deal with because you kind of like the person outside doesn't really understand and they don't really understand why you can't stop yeah. And like, I know for me, like at the height of it, um, I had to take two milligrams of Ativan to sleep. Otherwise, like, I thought I would be having panic attacks in my Mm -hmm. sleep because I used to have them. And then I just never stopped because it was a routine. I would carry it with me. I couldn't go to movies without it. Like, it's like this whole, like, it becomes like a comfort. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, when Kane is asking Abby, even, you know, during this fight, but especially later, you know, to to pick, it's not that you don't love the person who's picking. It's that this thing that you're addicted to is part it's of part you part of now. you. And it's like, I don't know who I am. Like, if I if I can't breathe, I'm grumpy. I'm like, like, nobody wants to be around me when I can't breathe through my nose. <laughs> you know? So, like... Yeah. I mean, I feel like not being able to breathe would frustrate anyone. Then you're, like, then you're a mouth breather. Like, I have all these things. Like, yeah. that's my reasons. Like, then you're a mouth breather. <laughs> you, you know, you have bad breath because you're breathing through your mouth. Yeah, do you got dry mouth? Dry yeah. mouth. It's terrible. It's like, ugh, it's so bad. And it's... It's like being constantly sick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, I have... You have no idea how many times people say, are you sick? And I say, no, I have chronic nasal congestion. I know. Please. I've done that to you for sure. I'd be like, oh my God, like, are you crying? Are you upset? And you're like, no, I just have like really bad nasal yeah. problems. <laughs> I have issues. And honestly, like my issues stemmed from using the nasal spray because I started using it mm-hmm. when we went camping because I couldn't breathe when we went camping. And so I would use it when we went camping and then past that, I'd be like, oh, this thing works. Why don't we keep using it? And like, honestly, it sucks because like my family has stop trying to get me to stop Mm -hmm. and it's like what does that mean you know i don't know anyway we should probably move past this because we have a lot more to cover but did you have any final thoughts no i just like i love that it's super related like i love i love this fight because it's totally fair and i like that we can contextualize it not to the severity that abby has it but that it makes sense to us like to look at both sides because i would argue that the show while doing a really good job of showing both sides is kind of showing kane more than Abby within Abby's own addiction. And I can see both sides too. Like, especially mm-hmm, in that yeah. moment when he asks her, like, choose me or choose the pills. Like, obviously we've talked about how I totally see Abby's side, but I even see Kane's side. If I said, can you choose between me or this other thing? It's like, if you're not choosing me, then you're like, you know, if you're if you're hesitating, that tells me something. Yeah. And it's also like when people say it's not really a consent issue. I'm just kind of relating it to a con- to a consent thing. You know, when people say mm-hmm. like yes or no, if it's a maybe, it's a no. You know. Yeah. But I mean, the reality is that the world is not that black mm-hmm. and white. And you know, this kind of leads us into the next scene where Kane and Dioza are interviewing Echo, and we'll talk about the Echo part during Spy right. Mechanic. But the tail end of this scene is that Dioza is kind of shoving in Kane's face that. 
she can't actually trust Abby because Abby is a drug addict in need of a fix. And Kane's asking, please take her pills away. Because Kane, as someone who doesn't have an addiction, doesn't understand that forcing withdrawal on someone does not mean they're going to stay clean. You know what I was thinking about when I when I was watching this for the first time is how much Dioza reminds me of Anna Lucia in this episode. From Lost. Yeah, okay. Wow, Robin brought up Lost already. Take a shot. So season two, minor, minor season two spoilers for Lost. There's this character's name. Her name is Anna Lucia. And I never liked Anna Lucia. And I'm really excited for in our Lost podcast to finally like Anna Lucia. I really believe that I can get there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I first saw Anna Lucia back in 2010 when I watched Lost for the first time. And so I'm sure that I, you know, put my own internalized misogyny all over her. I certainly did the first time I watched it. Yeah, and so, you know, I never liked her because, but she was like this strong woman who was like in her own decisions so much and she like stood by what she believed in and that's what I feel like Dioza is except I love Dioza yeah I love Dioza in this scene and always <laughs> and, and another thing that I was thinking about about Anna Lucia is that like I'm really excited to see more about Dioza making mistakes and about her past because yeah a lot of the things that we see about Anna Lucia is her making mistakes like she's really really set in her decisions but most of her decisions lead to things that aren't very good and I mean that's like Clark in a lot of ways too is Clark makes decisions and she stands by those decisions but the outcomes are not always positive mm-hmm. also the way that Dioza was speaking also just reminded me of the way that michelle rodriguez speaks i don't know they just seem like i don't know they're similar they are they're totally similar yeah in this scene kane in the middle of sort of he he says something very interesting which is that they kind of have a back and forth where Dioza kind of points out to him that him thinking that maybe they should let the 75 percent of the sick prisoners die is very much what he did when he sent, you know, the hunter back down to the ground and during the culling. After this confrontation, Kane kind of says to Dioza, because, you know, he's a very shrewd man. He says, are you sick? And Dioza right. doesn't say anything. And then Dioza fires back and calls Abby a drug addict. And Kane comes back and says, you're, you're, you're definitely sick though, right? Like, what's up here? No one ever sees through her. But Kane does. But Kane does. And that's yeah. so interesting. I think it's because Dioza is what Kane used to be. Yes, and as soon as as he does, she like her face changes. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oops, what did I do? I let him in?" Question mark. I think she she underestimated him because all she sees is some guy who tagged along with his girlfriend slash wife slash whatever label they use for each other, who she doesn't really think has a purpose, who is only alive because Abby wants him to be alive. And now she's realizing she's accidentally kind of adopted a really shrewd politician. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) She's like, oh crap, he's smart. This is Bootsy. <laughs> he ta- has taken over my life. He sleeps on my bed. I sleep on the floor. What what reference are you making? Oh, I don't know. I'm just pretending that Kane is her poodle. Stop. That she adopted from a re- as a rescue, and she's like, I I love him, oh but he's God. terrible. My family and I love you, but you're terrible. You're all terrible. That's Bellamy Blake in season one. Yeah. So. Next Cabioza scene is Kane visiting Abby slash the big thing that we've been talking about. Yes. The thing that I want to point out that happens at the beginning of this scene is Abby opens her own painkillers and gives one of the, you know, unnamed redshirt prisoner number 13 um, some of her own supply. I loved this reveal. 
Tell me why. Like, I just think that, you know, when you wa- when I watched it the first time and you saw the beginning, you're like, oh, Abby, like, you know, I get it. And, and you know, but I, I really loved this reveal because we don't often anymore see Kane being wrong. Mm-hmm. Kane is almost always in the right these days. And at this point, he was like, you know what? I made a mistake today. And I love that they're in a point in their relationship where he can say, I'm sorry. And she can say, okay. Like, she's still kind of mad at him. You can totally tell she's still kind of mad at him. But, like, he said sorry. Like, their relationship as, like, rocky as it is right now is a healthy one. Yeah. So he approaches her because she turns away because I think, like, she has a hard time looking at him. Mm -hmm. And he tells her that he loves her. He wants to take care of her while she detoxes that he'd walk through fire for her and he'd die for her marcus kane in season one is shook in this moment (laughs) marcus kane in season one is like sounds like all that poetry paid off like since since when does kane make these big romantic speeches (laughs) like did he spend six years reading as much romantic poetry as possible so that he could like woo abby gotta gotta have he had to have yeah But he also delivers her an ultimatum, which is he can't watch herself kill herself with the pills anymore. He wants her to choose. Mm -hmm. Which we kind of talked about already. Yeah, from Kane's perspective, because he doesn't understand, I think it's a fair thing because he just doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I find interesting is that Abby immediately slips into the attic bargaining mode, which is just give me a little bit more time. Yeah. Like, I can do this with more time. She kind of like... She says, you know, she promised to quit, you know, this was their second chance, and she's going to quit, dot, 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 eventually. I mean, like, my thing is that it's, like, obviously every person's experience is different, but for me, if I told somebody that I would quit, I'm lying. Yep. But my other thing is it's just, like, even if I did try and quit, I would have to go, like, down very slowly. And as far as we know, Abby... Is only taking two. Mm-hmm. So how do you, like, that's, that's like, if, if you want to slowly wean yourself off, you're cutting off half of it immediately. Yep. That mu- that's rough. Well, I mean, she can probably, because the way you're supposed to detox is to titrate down. People who say cold turkey, cold turkey doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's because your body will go through such severe withdrawal. You know, the only way to fix it is to get your fix. Yeah. So hopefully I would hope that the writers know that you have to titrate down, especially on medication, because it's going to mess with your brain a lot, Mm -hmm. especially with something like painkillers, because it's not that pain is going to come back. It's that she is going to go through a different type of pain. Right. And it's just so much easier to avoid that. Mm -hmm. So Abby can't really choose. She wants more time. And then for like the 50 hundredth time this season, Dioza waltzes in and interrupts yeah right another kate and abby moment i'm like listen like if you want to like be part of their otp like just tell them literally like that sounds like a great ot3 oh yeah, oh, yeah i'm down for it yeah yeah like i think polyamory is the solution to most problems most problem. on this show mm-hmm. on this show specifically yeah. <laughs> yeah on this show specifically so kane sort of dejectedly leaves because he knows that Abby is not going to give him the answer and Abby is crying but turns away from Dioza because I really don't think she wants Dioza to see her having a weak moment but Dioza already knows that she's weak because in Dioza's mind her addiction is a weakness 
Friends, welcome back to Good Sound Quality Land. Before we continue, let it be known that by this time of recording, Brittany and I have seen 508. We're gonna try and not give any spoilers. You may hear some vague things like, considering what happens in 508 or something like that. For our friends listening along for the first time after the fact, if you'd like to remain completely spoiler-free, we would recommend watching 508 and coming back to the rest of this podcast. Now, we left off finding out that Dioza is pregnant, which I called. Oh, Okay, we did though. Me, you, and Sam, we talked about it. Yeah. And it happened. <laughs> okay, I have questions about the whole tequila thing because that was the thing that gave me pause about it, right? Same. I was like, like, yikes, bro. Like, you have to, like, she's worried about the kid, but she's also doing shots, unless, was, Kate, was the shot pre poured? Oh, I would have to go back and look. Oh, I, oh best believe I'm doing that right now well like my thing is that like when I when we theorized about this we were like "Ooh, what if McCreary's the father and now like now that like it's an actual thing I'm like what if McCreary's the father he has to be though which is really gross like (laughs) no imagine a kid that's half McCreary like Murphy what McCreary just be yeah no but like you'd end up with Murphy oh oh (laughs) Wow, what a good child. I like it. Okay, was it in Shifting Sands that they did shots? Yep, it was. It I'm trying to see if both shots are poured. <gasps> that clever minx. She already had a shot poured. Dude, what the heck kind of pre-planning is that? Hang on, I'm just... Yep, she already had a shot poured. And, like, I bet, like, in her mind, one shot isn't gonna harm the baby when it's been in cryo sleep also. Right, well... Like, what I think is just weird about that is it's just, like, why is she going through, like, if she's actually trying to dupe him, why is she going through so much effort to hide that she's pregnant? Like, does she think that Kane thinks that she might be? And so she's like, oh, better uh, uh, prove that I'm not or something. Like, why, why try and trick him? I think because she wanted the upper hand on the reveal. She wanted to be the one to reveal her own pregnancy. (laughs) It's like an actual pregnancy reveal video. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's to a dude that she doesn't know. Dude that she doesn't even know? Yeah. Okay, but like, I mean, Dio's is a millennial, so... Yeah. She would pull that kind of crap. Right. And she she chose Kate and Abby as her unwilling victims. <laughs> like, does McCreary know? That's the thing I can't remember I if we talked know. about this already or not, but does he no, know? No, we haven't. Hmm. We haven't, like... What is McCreary going to do with that information? I have thoughts about this in the newest episode, about like in 508, I was just about to talk about it and I was like, wait, we're not there yet, but I'm going to write it down to make sure that I don't forget. The fact that she chose to reveal it to Abby in that manner was like, made me laugh a little bit. Man, frick. Okay. You know what? Now that you say that, it reminds me of something. Oh, wow. How what? far are we in? Robin's bringing up. Oh, oh, I'm bringing up Lost, except I already did like a week ago. <laughs> you're listening to it and you're like you already talked about lost this podcast yeah okay well if you're playing a fictionados like mm-hmm. drinking game i feel like that that that's a double shot right? sure yeah <laughs> i think that i'm yeah. talking about lost for the first time twice so uh, it was actually like a year ago i looked at my time hop it was a year ago since we posted our um 107 podcast for lost it was an episode called the moth mm-hmm. and there's a moment in the episode where John Locke um has to talk to Charlie and he's saying 
like he's talking to him about um this moth who's over here and like has to struggle in life to get out of the cocoon because if they don't struggle in life then they can't like live and you know they're not prepared for whatever life throws at them right yeah it's a whole metaphor and when we were recording with my cousin on that because we have guests on the lost podcast um we were recording with him and i was thinking like did this man see this moth cocoon beforehand and then say, ooh, I'm going to bring that up later. <laughs> or did he just, like, start walking and was just like, oh, here is a relevant thing that I'm going to, like, like how, what thought process was this? So this reminds me of Dioza in this moment because she's like, <laughs> how am I going to reveal it to Abby? I think I'll do it while her back's turned. Or, like, you know, like, like what, what, like, what yep. made you think, like, you should, I don't know. I'm like, why did you choose that manner? I think it's literally to be, like, a mm. drama queen. Like, I think Dioza has a flair for the dramatic, and she's like, I also think she and Abby's relationship is low-key really mm-hmm. interesting to me because I think she wanted to, like, shake up Abby a little bit because she just walked in and taken stock of Kane and Abby are, there's trouble in paradise. And then she walks in and she's like, I'm going to completely change the trajectory of Abby's entire brain. And gave her the biggest shock of her life. Like, I think Dioza low-key in 507, and then sort of, you know, that changes in 508, of course, enjoys kind mm-hmm. of messing with Abby. What a troll. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of love it, though. Which storyline would you like to do next? Let's do Spy Mechanic next. Okay, we're going to do Spy Mechanic next. I actually named Spy Mechanic, also I named it Reco, but Spy Mechanic is much better. So our... Intrepid defectors are enjoying human-free food for the first time in ages. Because mm-hmm. cannibalism. Yeah. Raven wants to hug Echo, and it's really sweet and cute, and, like, Echo's like, oh, hang on. Like, we can't hug. We can't, like, really, like, let it be known that, like, we know each other. Mm-hmm. But Echo does call her spacewalker. Right. So, does this imply that, like, Echo knows the whole Finn story, too? Yeah, I also wrote this down. You know, I've brought up Big Brother before. And this just, like, is another thing, like, like, I've said, like, you know, you go into the Big Brother house and you have nothing else to do except to talk to people. So I'm sure that all of them have heard everything about each other's lives. Mm -hmm. So Echo, because she, like, low-key is in love with Raven in my head, Mm -hmm. thinks that Raven has figured out how to get out of her collar, but she super hasn't. Shout out to Amori! Who has? Well, Amori has the uh, advantage of not having to wear the collar. Correct. Correct. But Raven has taught Amori so much that Amori figured it out. Mm. I'm just really emotional about that relationship that we actually haven't seen a lot of. Yeah. So they need to come up with a plan to get Monty's USB onto the ship so that they can hack the ship and grab the eye. Mm -hmm. This seems really complicated. Well, like, that's the thing is that it was just like, here, it'll be super easy. Just give it to Raven. And then she's like, hey, Raven, I'm trying to give this to you. And Raven literally just, like, passes it back. And she's like, eh. <laughs> Raven's like, yeah, I can't do that. And now Echo's like, okay. And then they're like, okay, well, what about Kane? Like, can we trust Kane? And Raven's like, Kane's with Dioza and can't be trusted because he's different. Like, some bad stuff happened in the bunker. And I'm like, you think? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's still, still don't know, but we'll soon, hopefully. Also, I feel like I've been robbed once again of another Kane and Raven scene Mm. because it has been five seasons and Marcus Kane and Raven never actually like spoken words to each other. Really? Yeah. That's so weird. 
They've like they've spoken about each other. That doesn't sound right. I know it's right. No, I mean no. Sorry, I meant like that. Like that's just weird sounding. Right? I wasn't. I wasn't Isn't accusing you of being wrong. <laughs> I was like, I was like, listen, I know I'm wrong a lot, but I know I'm right about this. Okay. One. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> Isn't that strange though? Mm. So they're like, hey, you know, Kane's a little different, and I'm like, you know, his wife's kind of going through some stuff, so his his plot lines elsewhere. Yeah. Um, also, they had to live with Octavia. Like, has no one really addressed the Octavia in the room? Mm. Anyway. So, but Raven thinks that Zeke might be the answer to their problem. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, oh my god, yes, Zeke is the answer to this problem. It's gonna be great. He's gonna help them. No, he's kind of a butthead and doesn't want to. Girl, bye. (sighs) I get it, though. Yeah. I still, like, I definitely like Zeke more than, and we're still gonna call him Zeke because frick all that. Um, I know his name is Shaw, but his name is Zeke. His name is Zeke, and, like, I know that I like him more than I like McCreary, but I'm still just, like, I certainly don't like you more than I like Echo. Well, no, this is actually something that I've been struggling with a lot, because a lot of people seem really attached to Shaw, Mm -hmm. like, really, really seem to like him, and I'm like, there's something missing there for me. Yeah. No, okay, yes, I agree. And I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, after you said it, I was like, maybe that's what the problem is. Because right now I'm like, I still don't know. Like, I love when he has those little monologues where he's like, here's the story of my life. I had a motorcycle. But I'm like, okay. Like, I love those moments because we get like, I don't know. I just need more from him. From For me, it's like, I think in my mind, he doesn't quite fit in the world yet. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's purposeful. Like maybe, you know, even though he has that sort of gray morality as we learn later in the episode, for me, he doesn't slide in as effortlessly into the world as a character like Dioza did. Which is weird because they're both like millennials. Yeah. So it's like they should. Or like they well, shouldn't think, is what I mean. Yeah. They shouldn't. Like like Yeah, like, they should feel out of place. Like I feel like all if if you're gonna bring a whole bunch of people from a completely different time, either they should all be out of place or they should all slide in. Mm-hmm. And I feel like McCreary and Dioza both slide in, but I, I don't know what it is about Shaw. I think it's that Shaw, his only interactions have really been with Raven, mm. and it's been all, basically all driven to be setting up, like, Shaw and Raven. Yeah. And that's not a relationship that I'm really overly invested in. I know a lot of people love it and, like, you know, like, ship what you want to ship, I don't really care, but... For me, it just kind of feels like they slid Shaw in there to be her love interest, which is why I'm having a really hard time connecting with him. Because I'm like, okay, so this is just supposed to be like a romance arc with a little bit more. And this reminds me of like what happens to most female characters. So it's like, yeah, I'm thinking like, are you putting him in and doing this to him purposefully to make a point that this happens to female characters and now it's happening to a male character? Or is it just lazy? I don't, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's either one of those. I think it's a mix of both okay. of them. Um, but I also think it's sort of, they wanted to find something for Raven to do. Mm-hmm. And they decided Raven should have a love interest. Right. And so they came up with like this perfect guy for her that's, you know, like a little bit morally gray, but he's far more adult than Finn and he's not Bellamy, I guess. <laughs> and he's think, an engineer think... and he's smart, or he's a pilot and yeah. he's smart. Yeah. My whole thing is like, I don't know if I buy Shaw and Raven just because in my head, those six years on the arc should have ended up with Raven and Bellamy. Right. And even though it did end up with Bellamy and Echo and like, that's totally fine. I guess in my head, I'm still really stuck on the fact that like Raven and Bellamy would have made a great couple. Yes. Like what I find it so 
odd that 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 up there in on the ark, none of the dudes were like, cool, this is my shot with Raven. Yeah. Weird. Even Echo was not like, hey, this is my shot with yeah. Raven. Like, if I were Echo, I'd have been hop like hopped on that and immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like it's kind of tied into the whole Bell arc of the show, which is I think it's pretty clear at this point that Echo is supposed to be like the girlfriend that you have before you get with the other girlfriend. And they didn't want to do that to Raven. Well, here, that's another thing is it's like people in the fandom already, like some people is what I'm saying, didn't like Echo. So it was fine to make her the potential blockage for Bellark. So, because then everyone like already doesn't like her, but everyone loves Raven. So like, what would have happened if Raven had been the blockage for Bellark? Would would everybody start hating Raven? Like, what do you think would have happened? I think it would have been a disservice Mm. to Raven because I don't think everyone would have hated Raven. I think everyone would have attacked the writers Mm. for doing that to Raven, which is basically, you know, Jumping ahead to 508, and we'll talk about that in 508 on Monday. That that happened with the Abby and Raven thing, which is, why are you doing this right. to Raven? There's a lot of, like, because Raven is a character that suffered so much. So, on the one hand, I'm glad that they sidestepped it by not making Raven a step on the way to Bellark. But at this point in the show, where you look at where chemistry is going, it looks like Becco is going to be the step to yeah. Bellark. That does a disservice to Echo, and I'm mad on Echo's behalf, because not only did that needlessly villainize Echo in so many Mm -hmm. people's eyes, but it also makes her, like, the girlfriend that's gonna get spurned, you know? But I think that all ties back to, like, our problems with Zeke and stuff, is sometimes when you put an obvious relationship in there, people aren't gonna latch onto it because you're pushing it Mm -hmm. too hard. And that's, I think, my problem with Zeke slash Sean Raven. I'd love for him to, like, branch off and, like, not be just about his relationship with Raven. I think I would like him a lot more. Yeah, I want to see him interact with literally, because I find him so mm-hmm. interesting when he when he's interacting with McCreary and Dioza. Can you um, give me a bit of a Sparknotes version of this story that he tells to Raven about, like, the Battle of San Francisco and stuff? Oh, yeah, I have, like, a Okay, perfect, because I was watching it on vacation, so I don't feel like I I fully, like, took it in. So I'd love to hear about it. Okay, um, well, we're not not there yet, though. Um, the rest of the scene that happens after Zeke says not girl is that Kane comes in, says that Karina died. And I think this is really important. He says that she was, I think she was, uh, Loretta Flodong. Yeah. Shallow Valley. I don't know how to say it. She was shallow Valley. So she will be buried like shallow Valley. So I think this is huge. She's not going to be interned or anything like Wong does it. He's already gone back to respecting how that, how she should be buried according to her own clan. So if Kane is thinking about separate clans that way, how many other people in the bunker are still thinking that way? That was interesting to me. So then Zeke slips Raven a love note and we get to Zeke meeting up with Raven for their secret Mm -hmm. date, but he's super pissed. So it's not really like that romantic date. Raven says she wants to be useful by powering the village with Hethelodium, except surprise, it's actually super poisonous to humans. And it's the thing that's making everyone sick. She tries a different tactic and appeals to his Dioza hate instead, except that that doesn't work at all because Zeke talks about the Battle of San Francisco. So the story there is that he saw Dioza ditching machinery off of like big military aircraft carriers Mm -hmm. that are floating um, 
to load more and more refugees into the aircraft carriers for rescue missions. She was a leader, like an unequivocal hero of the Battle of San Francisco, sacrificing things to save human I lives. assume this is before her terrorist attack? Okay. Yeah, this is before, I think this is before she realizes that not only is the government corrupt, but that she's been serving that corrupt government as a member right. of the military. Then you sort of go, he says the machines were expendable, but the people weren't, which is sort of like, sort of like the alley yeah. in a lot of ways. Hmm. And then he says, but back in space, it was different. You know, the corporate like capital or the, the sort of capitalism that runs the Allegis missions was that the prisoners were expendable when they became sick with hepalodium. Instead of saving them, they threw down Order 11 into effect that sacrificed the prisoners mm-hmm. for the fuel. So they prioritized that over human life. And Zeke deactivated the prisoners' collars to allow them to revolt. So he's the one who basically let Dioza free and she killed the whole crew. Right. Um, I, I think this is fascinating. I, this doesn't say... I know this scene is supposed to be like really talking a lot about Zeke and his morality and stuff, but I think it says more about Dioza than it does about him. I think him. that's true. And like, I, I'm, I'm having so many weird feelings about Dioza right now, just because like, you know, she, we know that she did this terrorist attack, which mm-hmm. is terrible and killed like a bunch of, bunch of people. Yeah, they say in this scene that she is a terrorist. I love the fact that they're using the word, by the way. I yeah. love the fact that they're using the word. Because she's exactly. a white woman. Yep. But then he talks about her being a hero. And it's like, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of this Oliva- the Ollivander quote where he's like, He who must not be named did great things. Terrible. But great. Yep. But that, that applies. Like, I'm not out here trying to be like, okay, but like, you know, some terrorists are like, you know, like, I don't want to, I'm not out here trying to say like, I don't even know what I'm saying, but like, it's confusing when you think of someone who has done such an evil act, but has also done good things, you know? And like, that's what the show's kind of about is like this gray area. It's hard. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, that's the thing that everyone, you know, you're told, especially, and you know this too, in film school is the best villain is one that Mm -hmm. doesn't think they're a villain. Right? So Dioza's never considered herself a villain. She's considered herself a freedom fighter, a hero, like, you know, someone who fights Mm -hmm. for her country. And that's why I think Dioza is such an interesting villain is because she's done good and bad things. Dioza, if you break her down to her, like, very core, is a white woman who was disgruntled and killed a Mm -hmm. bunch of people. And if you break her down to that, then you think, oh my god, what... Like, how the hell are we even sympathizing with her? But the mark of a great villain is that you have to do. And that's why, like, when I look at Zeke, I'm like, I'm trying so hard, but I still don't quite know his motivation other than he values human life. Yeah. Which is, which also, and like, I love that. Dioza. I love that he values human life. But, like, does she? Like, exactly. <sighs> Where's the work? Of course she does. She's trying to keep yeah, everyone but then alive. she, like, goes and, like, kills all those people? Like, I don't, like, ugh, it's hard. It's confusing. Exactly, because Dioza doesn't mm-hmm. think the way we do. Like, we think in terms of, like, the way, like, Shaw thinks, which is all yeah. life must be saved. Dioza is some life which must be saved. Which is just like Kara, question And Octavia, yeah, just like Kara, just like Octavia, like, only some are worthy of making it to the promised mm. land, not all. Which is, you know, kind of like, I think, Dolores in season two right. of Westworld, basically. Oh, that's very true. Which is some, some will mm-hmm. make it, but some will not. And I think Zeke's way of thinking and Kane's way of thinking and Bellamy's way of thinking is keep everybody alive. And unfortunately, Mm 
Mm-hmm. That's just not how it works. It should be how that it works, though. Nice. Yeah. So Kane and Dio's mm-hmm. interviewing Echo. I really loved this scene. I thought it was really interesting how how she's like. It reminds me of when um, Umbridge would like take every single student into her office and then like feed them Verita serum to get all of their answers. Like mm-hmm. she's she's taking everyone one by one. Except also Kane is there for some reason. What? Why is she so obsessed with Kane? Because of Goodbeard, probably. But um, and also because like he knows all of these yeah. people. Yeah. Oh, I mean that's true. They're all de- they're all defectors that he spent um, time with in the bunker. So he knows. But she's what like, about. okay, well, what makes you like? special Kane's like I don't even know that one um but she's like I was a spy like and I'm good at things so also I don't like Octavia because I'm banished so here are all the reasons why you should trust me and she says like uh, uh, an honest spy is either incompetent or working an angle and I'm like man Dioza with the quotes bro Dioza has good quotes yeah. and Dioza knows all like, how did she already know that Echo was a spy? Who I told her? Did Kane tell her that? Did. did she say spy? Did Dioza? Echo said spy, and then Echo was like, but you already knew that. And Dioza was like, yeah, I sure Maybe did, Maybe Kane remembers more things than we thought he did. Which is just so odd, because at this point, I think Kane's only type of yeah. brain is Abby brain. So, cute. Interesting. But I really, I really like this scene because I feel like Dioza has really met a mm-hmm. match in both of these characters. Kane in sort of terms of humanizing her and Echo in right. terms of like strategy. And then Octavia in terms of war. Like there's different parts of all of these characters that sort of make up the core of Dioza, which I think is why Dioza Right, because they take like character. most of the interesting parts about all of our favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Echo wants to betray Z, right. but Raven is down. So then she goes down. behind her back and does it anyway. So then she goes uh, behind her back and does it anyway. Echo. Like, uh, my, thing, my thing is that, like, they both have different priorities. So it makes sense. And you think, like, yeah. oh, no, you've betrayed Raven, but you're also, like, okay, but this was for the good of, like, Wonkru. Wonkru. But it was the good of, good for, like, you know, <laughs> all of her friends and everything. So it's, like, you know... You think, like, we love Raven, so it's like, oh, Raven is sad. Like, oh, no, like, Raven will be upset. But Raven's been gone away from them for so long and, like, didn't hear about them talking about the plan and hasn't seen, like, all of the garbage that is Wan crew. So, you know, you, um... And she also wants to protect protect the person. Exactly, and, and so, Murphy. like, you want to relate to both of them, and that's why it sucks that, like, yep. I don't know, you're like, who, you know, who to be upset of, who to be upset with in this instance? Well... They yeah. they have the same goal, which is they just they're not communicating yeah. why it's important, which is Raven is keeping him alive because she thinks that he can keep oh, Space yeah. Crew alive because, you know, there's Murphy and the rest of them. They're both trying to just keep Space Crew alive, but they're not realizing that that's going to take sacrifice. The thing that I struggled with in this scene is that it seemed like a really big betrayal, but I would have liked to see or I would have liked to have seen maybe one more scene prior to this in an earlier episode where we really see Echo and Raven right, bond as like, friends. Right, because, like, really all we got was, like, them saying, like, her calling her spacewalker, so therefore they must be bros because they talked about it. Yeah, yeah and, right, like, right, the right, sparring, yeah. of course, um, in 501, which was really cute. But other than that, we haven't really gotten a sense of mm-hmm. how they're friends. So this one, to me, like, I bought it, right. but I feel like I barely bought it. But regardless, it happened. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, which Echo gets I more like, than anyone. I um, like how Raven had said, like, you took my choice away from me, which reminds me of when um, Abby was forced to stay in the bunker because she was asleep and they were talking about how their choices were mm-hmm. being taken away. That's it. 
Abby and Raven have mm-hmm. always had very complementary storylines, and we can explore that in 508 because I have so much yeah. to say about how similar their storylines are. So, Raven and Echo make it on to the bridge of the Enterprise, yeah, yeah. and Captain Picard is there, and everything is fine. So, yeah, good. Uh, end of the episode. What actually happens is they make it onto the bridge to sell Zeke out. Raven is not happy. I love those little, like, looks that they exchange where Raven's just, like, staring da- daggers at Well, Echo like, and, and Raven knows what the stakes are. So, at this point, like... There's no way she can be yeah. like, what? No, what are you talking about? Because the Echo will like get murdered or something. And and she knows that like this is, you know, to save yeah. their friends and everything. She just wishes that it, it had been done a different way. But never would Raven be like, no, kill Echo. <laughs> She's a liar. No, exactly. That's the thing I actually really like about this scene though, is like, even though they're so mad at each other, they can communicate silently. Mm-hmm. And Raven is like, okay, let's do this. You know? And she figures out a way to bull crap mm-hmm. long enough to get the job That's done. A good one. I'm just so proud of her. So they have to work together to get yeah. the USB into the ship because they're bros. I don't know if Dio's 100% buys this. She kind of looks right. at him like, oh, the spy is doing this. But the program gets installed and Raven successfully proves that Shaw slash Zeke did portray Dioza. The thing that I really like about this is when Echo knows that it's mm-hmm. done she puts her hand on raven's shoulder as like a little yeah indicator the yes it's done and raven can finally going back to thing. what you were saying about dioza like not really believing it just because it was echo like you know when they were having that little interview thing yeah. she was saying like an honest spy is either working an angle or incompetent and she knows that echo is not incompetent so she knows that echo is working an angle so anything yeah. that echo does i don't think she's gonna trust all the way yeah no even if it involves raven so I think when this all comes to pass and Dioza figures out that they have access to the eye, I think that's going to put Echo mm-hmm. and Raven in a lot of danger. But I no. definitely don't buy the Dioza fell for it because Dioza's too smart for that. This has just become like a Dioza appreciation podcast. Somehow, but like also not because uh, because we don't claim her actions. Yeah. No, because she's a yeah. terrorist, but she's just such a good character. The thing I also really like about this scene is Raven doing like the nonsense, like hacker voice. I'm in. Yeah, like literally exactly what you wanted her to do. <laughs> I was just so thrilled at that. And then like his whole yeah. name comes up on screen. I was like, oh, let's just really and point that shot. arrow right at him. So speaking of, Echo tries to make up with Raven once they're back, you know, in the church on all their beds. Mm -hmm. But Raven is still really mad at her. And then their whole reconciliation is interrupted by the prisoners throwing Zeke in with a collar around his neck and beat up Well, like, it's upsetting because you know that Raven didn't want to betray him. And like, you know, I'm kind of cheering for those two because they've had hard lives. And like, you know, if they can, if Mm -hmm. Raven can finally find some happiness with somebody, I'll be happy for her. So like... Yeah. And, and that's kind of what it was it was leading up to but like he knows without a doubt it was her nobody else could do mm-hmm. it except for her like he trusted her it's like when celebrities will like tell their friend like one they'll like tell all their friends like different secrets and then if something gets out to the media they know exactly who did it does yeah. that make sense do you know what i'm talking no about? it makes perfect sense like that's what it yeah. reminds me of it's like only raven and then like kind of echo now i guess knows about like what happened but she's the only one who has the capabilities of getting it done yep ouch so like in his mind he's just been betrayed and it's because he kind of has yeah been. oh fully has been yes i'm so sorry shaw yeah zeke, zeke shaw did you want to talk yeah. a little bit about our patreon 
Oh, yeah. So we have a Patreon. I don't know if you know this. Hashtag ad. Hashtag deaf spawns. We have a Patreon that helps pay for all of our equipment and hosting fees because it is very, very expensive to do three different podcasts. And we love to do it. So, um, yeah, it's like something that we absolutely love to do. So the fact that we get to keep doing it is kind of amazing. Like we didn't record for like three weeks. And as soon as we like got on Skype, we were like, eee, can't wait to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> we were very excited about it. We were like just little idiots, really, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So if our Patreon is patreon.com slash the If you have a dollar to spare, we would really appreciate any kind of donations that you give us. We We'll give you a follow. We have different tiers for all of the different perks that we have. And um, honestly, we'll just really love you a lot if you help us out. Yeah, we'll appreciate you a lot because, I mean, we love to do these podcasts. The people that we do these podcasts for mainly are ourselves. And the fact that yeah. you guys also want to join us and listen uh, to us talk about the thing that we enjoy talking about is like really cool and really great. So if you guys want to, um, we do work really, really hard on it. So if you ha- have anything to spare, that would be really, really cool. Honestly, it kind of blows my mind that like people want to help us out in any way. So like, I'm genuinely like, I know it sounds disingenuous when people are like, yeah, I really appreciate it. But I really do. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I re-listen to our podcast and I'm like, oh, we're smart? No, I never get that vibe listening to our podcast. <laughs> I do. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, nice point. Yeah, I definitely think that when you're talking. Yeah, when I'm talking. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the bulk of the episode, we got another email. It's from Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Yay, Amanda. Amanda, 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 show. I did it for everyone who wanted it to happen. Mm. I'm loving that we're getting emails. Yes, it makes me very happy. We're fancy email ladies. Now, if you want to, uh, people listening to this, if you also want to send in an email, you totally can. It is uh, a, a podcast at gmail.com. You can send us. And you can send us an email, a audio recording, or both whatever you want and yeah we won't be able to do one for 508 because we're recording that before this one goes up but uh we can include an email in 509 if you want if you're about that life which is totally cool so yeah we got an audio recording that we are going to insert into this uh from amanda hi robin hi Brittany. i'm a huge fan of your lost and the hundred podcast hello thank you for liking our lost podcast hi (laughs) I love when people love Lost. Um, uh, if you are interested in coming on the podcast, we have guests. Thank you so much. Please come on. We're scheduling for season three. I want you. And I've been loving all of the content you've both been putting out. So I thought I would bring you both a theory I tweeted about yesterday, or rather the other day, in relation to 506. And I'm getting some super strong vibes that this might be a thing, especially based off of 507. Now, quick disclaimer, I'd like to point out that I'm not someone who wants Octavia to die. I think she's a fantastic character, definitely one of my favorites. And I'm loving this dark antagonistic route they're having her go on. And that being said, I've been on the fence all season about her making it to the end, but that's the fun in theory, right? So part two to this disclaimer, this is all in relation to the Bible, and I'm not a biblical person, nor am I super religious, but I did take a class reading the Bible's lit. That is literally what my class was called. So all of this I looked up, 
is not shoving religion down your throats. It was more of a food, food for thought for myself and possibly for you guys. And we're all super aware that this show is definitely not subtle in biblical references in any way, shape, or form. She is very right. So this whole piece is mostly in relation to 506, but I thought it would be fun to look at it in the light of acceptable losses, but all of my points and everything are mostly vague slash going off of 506. So now that that is out of the way, I'd like to point you to the direction of my first piece, which is from Job 40, uh, 15 through 26. So I'm going to read this and I'm going to read all of my Bible passages, and I am sincerely sorry if I mispronounce something or if I stumble over my words. I am not a professional reader in any way. So, here we go. Job 40, 15-26. Behold now, behemoth, which I make with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. Lo now, his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the stays of his body. He straineth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are as pipes of brass. His gristles are like bars of iron. He is the beginning of the way of God, ways of God. He only that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food, and all the beasts of the field play there. He lieth under the lotus trees in the covert of the reed and fens. The lotus trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook compass him about. Behold, if a river overflow, he trembleth not. He is confident, though the Jordan rush forth to his mouth. Shall any take him by his eyes, or pierce through his nose with a snare? Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a fish hook, or press down his tongue with a cord? Canst thou put a ring into his nose, or bore his jaw through with a hook? So, this one, I took away two possible meanings, and one of them was in 15 through 23, which is the first several lines. Behold now, behemoth, through, about behold, if a river overflow. So those lines is where I really felt it spoke about Wankru and Octavia, whereas in the last few lines, starting with, shall any take him by his eye, or pierce through his nose with a snare, through... Canst thou put a ring in his nose uh, or bore his jaw through with a hook? Um, those lines, I felt like it was about someone having to kill the serpent. Now, how does this connect, you ask? Octavia definitely can't keep up with this blood rain thing. Literally, I can't. I would not be able to if I were her. But I think if Octavia is going to die and she has to be killed, I think Bellamy is going to be the one to do it. It makes sense, though, because his sister, his responsibility, right? It's sad and screwed up to think about, but it makes sense that it has to be him. The last three lines, the ones that with the nose piercing and fish hook, yada, yada, yada. Um, they ask if a person who kills the Leviathan can really kill it. Will it be able to go through with it? And it really made me think of Bellamy because... You know, it's a sister. Oh, so she called all of 508. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a major spoiler, so I hope that, that, if, that it's fine. <laughs> but, like, he literally says his sister his responsibility? Yeah, she she quite literally oh. called that entire yeah, scene. Yeah, so shout out. Um, wow. I've, I'm so yeah, impressed. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
So this next one is from Amos93. And though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, I will search and take them out thence. And though they be hid from my sight in the bottom of the sea, thence will I command the serpent, and he shall bite them. Now, I found this very interesting in terms of Juan Crew. I don't have much on this one, but it still makes me think of Bellamy. Um, especially in the line, I will search and take them out thence. It makes me think of two things. The first I think of is how Bellamy is the one who got Juan Crew out using his head. And the second is from 507, where he says to Octavia, and then we found you. I think this will be up to Bellamy with what to do with Wong Crew. Basically, Bellamy is the only one of our delinquents, the remaining ones, aside from those in Wong Crew, who has any ties to Wong Crew. Abby left with Marcus, so Clark has no one of importance there, except for maybe Maddie now. Um, and Octavia is the only person who would take heart in their efforts of saving. But, and Bellamy will find that he has to take responsibility in taking her out since, you know, she's his sister. We'll find, we'll probably find more out in next week's episode, hopefully. I'm pretty confident we will based on those previews, but it will definitely be interesting. Good God. Snaps. She nailed all of it. Honestly, like, full clap. Full clap. Nailed every single piece of it. This next one is Psalm 74, 13 through 23. Thou didst break the sea in pieces by thy strength. Thou didst shatter the heads of the sea monsters in the waters. Thou didst crush the heads of Lothiathan. Thou gavest him to be food to the folk inhabiting the wilderness. Thou didst cleave fountain and brook, thou driest up ever-flowing rivers. Thine is the day, thine also the night. Thou hast established luminary and sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. Remember this, how the enemy hath reproached the Lord, and how a base, ha how a base people have blasphemed thy name. O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the wild beast. Forget not the life of thy poor forever. Look upon the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. O let not the oppressed turn back in confusion. Let the poor and needy praise thy name. Arise, O God, plead thy name, thine own cause. Remember thy approach all the day at the hand of the base man. Forget not the voice of thine adversaries, the tumult of those that rise up against thee, which ascendeth continually. Okay, that one I understood. Okay, tell me about it, because you're like, oh, I have this um, class about reading the Bible as literature. How? What? Well, I mean, the Bible's just like a big old metaphor. Yeah. Um, so to me, that read very much as like the fight for the valley. I don't really have too much to yeah. say about this particular one, but it really made me think of Wong Crew. I feel like that's a theme going through here. Make me think of Wong Crew. But there's also this one thing in here that I noticed there was a point of view shift in talking about Leviathan. Before, it really felt like Octavia was the sea monster, and now it doesn't feel that way anymore. Now it feels like she's God. This almost feels like Bellamy talking to Octavia. Like, these are the things we did and the things that you did. 
and how she cannot forget where she came from because this honestly does feel like this is where she's going because she seems to have forgotten her roots and where she came from. So a lot of things that she grew up learning with Aurora and Bellamy, like those don't apply anymore. She's doing those same things to the other people in Wong crew and she's basically being the chancellor, you know? So she really did forget about how she grew up. And I think this is sort of Bellamy telling her that in like biblical form, obviously, but her people should definitely love her and not fear her. And again, we seem to be heading in this direction, like a huge fight between Bellamy and Octavia in 508. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not going to lie. So not only is she right, but that I, I would really love to see a recognition from Octavia that the people that she leads are people. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the midst of her really latching onto the idea of one crew, she is now married to the idea of one crew and Mm -hmm. the people who actually make it up don't matter to her. Right. It's just their reputation. It's their strength. It's what they represent. But individuals like Indra, like Miller, like Cooper, they don't really matter to her very much. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think like that whole thing makes perfect sense of Bellamy trying to remind her who she is, where her her humanity is. And at this point, I kind of wonder if Octavia can remember her own humanity. Right. I mean, it's been so long. Like, how far can you push a character before people are like, I don't know if we could ever forgive this character. Right. So this last one I have is from Isaiah 27.1. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan the slant serpent, and Leviathan the tortuous serpent. He will slay the dragon that is in the sea. Now, does this not go with everything I've said, that I really think Bellamy is going to be the one to kill Octavia? Because my feelings are really sold here. So, basically, the lord would be Bellamy, and the serpent would be Octavia. And this was kind of already implied by all of the Eden talk and all the previews we got before the season with the two serpents. I definitely think Octavia is one of them. And this just really sold my whole theory. And I was so, so happy when I saw this one. Uh, yeah, it does. Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> because of, insert spoiler here. Yeah. But anyways, I hope you both and everyone listening really enjoyed this rambly piece about Leviathan and... Yeah, so I initially looked this up just to, I just wanted to see if there were worms in the Bible, like, in relation to this season, and I found Leviathan, and then I'm like, oh, Octavia must be the Leviathan. So, here we are. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this, as well as hearing your thoughts on the entire episode. I will hopefully chat soon. Bye, guys. Um, I'm also, my name is Amanda. I don't know if I ever said that at any point in time. And my Twitter is callmebellark. So yeah, that's totally a reference to Moby Dick, by the way. Bye. I love you, Amanda. Yeah. You do bomb. Thanks. Oh no, wait. She said, call her Bellark. I love you, Bellark. There you go. This is, ew. She told me to. That was terrible. Well, listen, not every dad joke is going to be a good dad joke. I can't support you. Well. I like, I wish that I had sort of like, I mean, this is literally coming from someone who went to Catholic school. I wish I had the Catholic schooling <laughs> to contribute right. more to this conversation. But in terms of like 
you know, there's been a lot of imagery, especially in the promotional footage where Octavia and it's either Octavian Clark or Octavian Dioza are serpents fighting for, you right. know, the valley. I like the idea that Octavia or that Bellamy is sort of the all seeing eye that mm-hmm. sees this and goes, I must stop this here. But I would also argue that that's kind of Monty. Oh, an angel. You know, you know, even in this episode, you can see Monty is very much not on board with war. Monty wants peace and he wants to find another way, which is, you know, very much like the Clark perspective. But Clark's got mom goggles on, Mm -hmm. which is like early season one, season two, Abby, which is I don't care about the war. I got to take care of my kid. Yeah. Which I kind of love for Clark. So yeah, if uh, you think we missed anything or if you have more to contribute on Amanda's biblical thoughts, uh, you can email us at afficionatispodcast.gmail.com and we would love to talk about it. We love you guys. Thank you. Okay, you ready to move on to Bunker Crew? Sure am. All right, let's talk about worms. Cool, worms. Well, the idea of worms. Sure. But also kind of algae. Yeah. All right. Bellamy is brooding over a computer. Big mood. Mm. Harper tells... <laughs> Harper! 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 What? Who? Har- Amazing! Harper. Guys, big news. Harper had a line. Harper exists again? Yeah. I know every season one character gets shafted. This season it's Harper. It sucks. But she's, she's in this here. episode! So Harper tells him to chill out. But also, like, big mood. Bellamy says eight hours. I think it's Bellamy who says eight hours. Anyway, eight is one of the lost numbers. Thank you. That's it. Oh my God. I didn't even mark that down because I was like, hey, this isn't important. And Robin was like, this is the most important. Basically, they're waiting around to see if Echo has succeeded in her mission. Mm -hmm. Octavia rolls in with her whole crew and an attitude and Indra. And they kind of have a little back and forth. And Indra kind of backs up Bellamy, which is like big mood. Mm -hmm. The Hydro Farm is on its last legs. Oh, thanks, Bellamy, for showing up and says that they'll have a better life in Shallow Valley. Bellamy serves hella sass and says, "Mm, we thought that before we got down here and no, we met you. Okay, I have some notes. I like that. I think it's Harper who says we can count on Echo. Friendship. Thank you. That's my full note. And um, also they use the word miracle. I don't know. It's been like over a week since I watched this episode. So I'm hoping that my notes still make sense. Um, But someone says the word miracle. And I thought for some reason I put that in the context of when Gaia was like, it's not a coincidence. Oh yeah. Okay. No, it's like um, the belief of an all seeing deity sort of thing. Yeah. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Oh, that was it. Yeah. That's it. Then I think Harper gets the best line of the episode Mm -hmm. when she says, your sister officially scares me. <laughs> Is that going to be your favorite line of word? Girl, you know it. Oh, perfect. Because that's not mine. I didn't want you to steal mine. I was just kidding. I already have my favorite Oh, line no. Word. Don't steal mine. Okay. Unless yours is Kane's speech, I think you're fine. Oh, okay. It's not. So we're good. Yeah. But your sister officially scares me as a runner up. Perf. So Clark braids Maddie's hair like a, go- like a good mama. Yep. And gives Maddie a rousing speech on how to totally suck. Oh, look. My favorite kinda- line of word. you're gonna suck today and i'm like mom you should have given me that advice i would have really flourished (laughs) maddie isn't overly happy about having to suck mostly because she knows she'll have to fight sooner or later Mm -hmm. so i mean maddie kind of has a point there like they're heading to war but you know clark's so used to protecting Mm -hmm. her 
Clark finds Jasper's goggles and note and decides that she's going to mi- visit Monty. Oh, boy. I knew this would come back. And oh. then you cry. I'm so glad that it came back. Me too. Thank goodness. If they had forgotten, I would have been like, excuse me. I was really scared that they were going to forget, to be completely me. honest There's with you. something important that you missed. And his name is Jasper. Jasper. So... She goes to the hydro farm, and it doesn't look nearly as romantic as it did when Kane and Abby declared their love for each other at 502. Yeah, no, ma'am. It kind of looks garbagey. Mm-hmm. What the hell happened down there? A lot of things. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you put people in the yeah. soil. Mm. Yeah. Don't fertilize the mm. people. Oh, wait. Actually, no, you're supposed to. That's why cemeteries are so lush. Cute. Anyway. You know I'm Cute. right, though. Cute. Anyway. <clears throat> Clark gives Monty Jasper's suicide note and says that she almost opened it a few times, but she refrained. Man, I couldn't. There's no way. But it, it's not for you. I know, but like, how are you? Like, it's been six freaking years. By at least two months in, I would have been like, I can seal it back up. You know what? That is the most you thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I think I would have the temptation, like Clark, and then I think if I did it, I would feel immense guilt. Monty and Clark mm-hmm. spot Kara wheeling it in a dead body, but they can't get through the door that Kara went through. Monty's or a so genius. I love him. Monty is a super genius, and he loves puzzles. Mm-hmm. True, how true. They got into the bunker the first time, basically. Mm-hmm. So he gets them inside, and he says, "Oh, ye of little faith," I love which him. is what he said when they were in the mountain. And they find a super creepy lab of dead people. And biocontainment equipment, which is totally what you want to find in an underground bunker. Dude, I had no idea that was Tariq until Indra said it, and now I'm upset. Yeah. I Yeah, I was like, oh. But. But also, I knew it would come shirt. back because they put it in a jar. Yeah. Well, they they go in, and, like, Monty's, like, not a fan, and it's, like, surprise freaking rooms. But the thing that I was shocked about is that they were breeding them inside the dead bodies. Yeah. Ew. Yuck. Yeah. And then also in live bodies. Um, I'm not about that. Just can't really say I'm what a huge fan. What the hell? So the thing that I want to know is, was this Kara slash Kara's idea and Octavia was like, yes? Or was this like their joint evil plan? I would believe either one. Which is like, how do you bring Octavia back from stuff like this? I don't know, dude. Do you think that Octavia is dying at the end of this season? No, I don't. I think Octavia is going to be in season six because I think Marie's going to be in season six, you know? I just don't understand how they could. I just don't see this show without Octavia. No, I can't. And like, there's been so many different versions of Octavia. So in season six, Octavia could be like a butterfly yeah. wrangler. Like, we just don't know. There's been so many different Octavias. Like, I was thinking, remember Lincoln and Octavia? I sure do. Can you imagine Lincoln and Octavia now? Ew. Like, but also, who's Lincoln? Yeah. Lincoln could be different. And the the thing that I think disappoints me in the Octavia storyline, and I want to say, like, just, like, as a blanket statement, the storyline is dope as hell. The only thing that I wish had a little bit more of was Octavia remembering Lincoln. You know, yes. like, someone reminding Octavia that she was loved and loved someone once. Like, it's always Indra's job, and I wish it didn't have to. Like, I'm glad, like, it gives Indra something to do, but, like, I wish that, like, Octavia would just, like, remember. Like, 
I think it's weird that Kara's tattoo, forehead tattoo, is, like, literally, like, what makes you so special that Octavia chose for you to get Lincoln's back well, tattoo on your symbol? Oh. Octavia made the- Does everyone yeah, have Octavia that? Octavia made the Wong Crew symbol Lincoln's tattoo. Um, can I make a, like, a theory that's probably way off, but, like, I'm just thinking way too far into Freaking it? Freaking do it! I just wanted to point out that it's not Lincoln, like, the front of Lincoln- tattoo it's his back yeah because you know that lincoln could not look at this stuff it's his back yeah. you know you you can actually see a shot of it um in season one when they're torturing him when bellamy has him strung yeah. up exactly well like that's the thing is it's just, like she's doing something so far away from what lincoln would support mm-hmm. that like i really love the choice if they even did this on purpose yeah. that it's his back it's not something that he can see this is not something that he would look towards that he would that he would support i love that idea I love that sort of like homage, mm-hmm. and oh, you're you're so smart. I know. So smart. I thought of that, but I was just like, you're thinking too far into it. But let's forget. No, I don't think you are. I think the art department and the props department and everyone. I really think that they think that far into it. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. I love that crap. Yeah, I think like the makeup department. That's what I love about Lost. They all really do think that deeply. All right, so. Speaking of things that Octavia's done, Bellamy is in denial that Octavia would do that. And it's like, Bellamy, you Bellamy. don't know her. <laughs> my my note here is which like dot 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 LMAO. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> my note here. He points out that everyone in the valley would die if Octavia got the worms to the valley. And Monty says that it'll ruin the land too. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Because he's my worried. farmer boy. And because he's the only one using his friggin' head. He's such a smart guy. I love him. They, but you know, like all of this is kind of like, they're kind of screwed on account of Octavia not having great listening ears. Yeah. Yeah. So Bellamy wants to talk to Indra and Clark's like, okay, I'll stay here. And then Monty's like, hey, remember that time that Bellamy helped kill her entire village and he stood there while Pike shot her. Yeah. Hmm. And Clark's like, damn, you right. Maybe not. I truly think this is an underrated comedic moment. No, I love this. It's so funny. Like, it's literally like a beleaguered wife going, uh-oh. And like having to get up and like follow her husband because he's off to socialize with people who do not want him there. I always support having like a little bit of lightheartedness in in everything so dark you know yeah like i've brought it up before that's something that i really love about Lost is that a lot of like if it's a really really dark episode they will almost always have like at least one storyline that's like just to be goofy yep and like just to bring you joy just like have it be a nice break and like this show doesn't do that as much because they have way more important things to do but um when i love that they have moments like this yeah it's it's really it was friggin hilarious so they go over to Indra and they tell Indra that Kara brought the worms back and is doing crazy experiments to send a Trojan worm horse in during the next defection. Worm and Indra's horse like, is my nightmare. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage worm horse. Worm horse? No! <laughs> what? Ew. Someone's gotta do it. Anyway, Indra's like, hey, I didn't know about this. I'm not down with this. What's going on? Yeah. This is literally that John Mulaney skit. Ah. You know those days when you're like, this might as well happen? That's literally 
literally Indra at Octavia 24-7. So, Maddie is training with Gaia and Ethan. She Ethan! Is super Bring him back! She, I... How old was Ethan, Robin? He was five! So now he's 11? <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark? Or so? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy. So old I enough to go to Hogwarts. be a jerk. He's like one of those now. You know, yeah. he's like, I'm 11 years old and I'm better than everybody. I'm like, this isn't how Thelonious Jaha would have raised you. See, when when Jaha was giving out guardianship of Ethan and he was like, Octavia, take care of him. And Octavia was like, ah, give him to Gaia. I was like, Thelonious, maybe you should have given him to Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Just a thought. Just a cute little concept. So Maddie is absolutely miserable mm-hmm. because she's trying to totally blow it, but she's kind of overcompensating and sucking too yep. much. And then Ethan, who is 11 years old and annoying. Oh my God. But he's also so just a kid. Though. He's so realistic. He's so realistic. I hate and, like, it, He's but so valid. Because like they've raised these kids to be competitive. So like he wants to fight dirty. Like he wants to be doing these things. He wants to impress Gaia. Why is he all 11 year olds now? Oh, because kids stay the same no matter what. <laughs> So, like, he doesn't really like Maddie because she's not Wan crew. And he kind of, he's like, fights a little bit dirty because he's a brat. And Gaia says that they're going to be at war soon. So everyone needs to smarten the heck up, okay? Kindergarten is over. Class dismissed. Also, at anybody who's shipping Maddie and Ethan, stop it! Ew, They are children. It's like when you're, like, a baby is born and you give it a shirt that says, heartbreaker, or, like, a uh, uh, ladies' man, and you're like, "Why are you doing that? That's a baby." I'm like, "That's that's a child." <laughs> that's why I have a hard time with people like the grown adults. I'm gonna say, um, shipping like the kids on Stranger mm. Things. I'm like, "But they're yeah. kids." I mean, like you can think something's cute, but like, know the yeah. line, okay? So Gaia, who is like dark Miss Honey, <laughs> holds Maddie back. Well, Maddie's got Maddie's got special powers. That's right. I wasn't laughing at you. I was yeah. laughing with you. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Maddie, Matilda, coincidence. Mm, M names. I uh you could make Maddie out of Matilda, kinda like Polissa Polaris. She's mm. reaching, but she's trying her best. She's reaching, but it could mm. fit. The pieces wouldn't snap, but they'd fit. So Gaia knows that Maddie yeah. is throwing the fights. And she's actually totally for it, but she thinks that Maddie could, like, probably be a better yeah. actress. Like, she could really benefit from, like, some theater yeah. training. So, that's so See, awkward. I can help, but, like, I'm really bad at stage combat, so maybe not. It makes perfect sense that you'd be bad like, at stage I'm okay combat. At because it, you're kind of like, like a, forte, a giraffe. Though. Yeah. So, Gaia actually wants Maddie mm-hmm. to fail so that she can live, stay away from Octavia, and take... The I wish flame. people always wanted me to fail. I did such a good job. Robin, I want you to Thanks. fail all the time. I'll get her yeah, done. You're welcome. Yeah, since when does the flame glow without you saying a Shende Superius? Well, what if the flame glows in the presence of a real nightblood? Hmm. Has the flame ever been in the presence of a real nightblood? And not? Not since it was taken out of Lexa. What about Antari? It wasn't, over, it wasn't around Antari, was it? Hmm. No. Okay, sure, I'll take that, sure. And also, like, it just yeah. looks cool. Anthony, Please. how did you do that? <laughs> He's going to be Tell like us. CGI Props morons. <laughs> no, it's going to be that, like, he made, like, a little resin. <laughs> He's going to be like, like glow-in-the-dark paint, stupid. And then, 
<laughs> no, they're gonna put a little light inside underneath like the cushion that it sits on. Anthony, please tweet us. Thanks. Let us know. Yeah. Anthony so, listens. It's not just us. I just <laughs> shouting into the void, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's not just us talking into <laughs> the void. Um our, they're our like friend, Anthony can't hear you from here. <laughs> Anthony answers my DMs when I send him like stuff like being like, Anthony, my hands are covered in silicone right now. How do I get Help. this off? So he puts up with a lot from me. So Okay, I just want to take a minute to be like, oh my god, I love when they bring back the flame. A lot of people hate the flame. I don't claim that opinion. Lex is in there. I I never think about Lexa when we talk about the flame, but I'm glad you do. Lex is in there. If you believe that stuff. Like, Like that's a... Well, it is, because Clark took the flame and Lexa was in there. I was like, that's still a religion thing, right? (laughs) Dumb. No, dummy. (laughs) Literally all of the past commanders are in that chip. Wow. Yeah, she's so... I want I want a whole prequel series about Rebecca. So, Gaia believed that the commanders, like, the time of the commanders was over. But now she believes, like, you know, Maddie's there. It's not a coincidence, you know? so even though it fully is. She... But, like, Gaia did something that I think is really smart, which is she adjusted her beliefs for the yeah. situation she was in. And then when it changed again, she was like, okay... I can now adapt to these new circumstances, which I think is how you should follow Mm. all religions. Thanks so much. She said she would never force Maddie to take the flame. And Maddie is very intrigued Uh, by this flame. Like, I'm very worried about this. I'm trying to remember what, like, trying to figure out what this reminds me of. I'm just talking about things that the things remind me of this episode. But it's like, it's Sleeping Beauty and the... Yeah, you're right. You're right. Spinning wheel. It's a lot of things, but like that's like yeah. the main one. It's like almost the exact same shot. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Which I'm like real worried about. And I would not be surprised if like my my thing for the end of this show has always been now that Clark is a nightblood that Clark ends up taking the flame and the show ends with like Clark sort of opening her eyes and like maybe not seeing Lexa but seeing like the commanders. Right. So I think maybe to save maddie from the flame clark might take the flame herself question mark and because she's like i think that would make sense now i just think i'd be like yeah and she's already done that though but it was uh she was a fake night blood then i know but it has already happened blood. that's true so gaia says that she will serve octavia faithfully for as right, long as so she reigns. Like, not too much longer. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, she's always building in loopholes yep. into those terms and Read conditions. Read the fine print, girl. But that she took an oath to protect the flame and ensure mm. the flame's succession. And she won't let anyone Ooh. hurt Maddie. So, like, my thing is, I think this would be weird if I didn't believe Gaia. Okay, explain. I believe that Gaia doesn't want to force anything on Maddie. I believe that Gaia does believe that Maddie is sort of a chosen one, like a la Harry Potter, but that she would never enforce or push anything onto Mm -hmm. Maddie that Maddie didn't want herself. And that she will protect Maddie with her life. Now, whether or not this takes a dark turn remains to be seen. Tat has, you know, Uh, got a role in another show, so we don't know if she's coming back. But I'm kind of hoping that this leads to still pure Gaia and not like dark Gaia. So, do you have anything else to say about the scene? Okay. Back in Wormville, Indra kills Tariq to spare him Wormfest. Which, which thanks, is like, honestly. Yeah, like Worm Coachella. She's like, you don't yeah. have to go. She, Clark, and Bellamy face off against Octavia and Kara. And it was Octavia's idea to breed the worms. I forgot, okay. but I wrote it in my notes. And 
like, luckily for Monty, it turns out that the worms can't survive a green environment. Right. But they can kill everyone in the valley. Yeah. <laughs> I have friends in the valley. Excuse me. People I care about are yes, in that valley. Yes, there are people even adjacent to the valley that are, that are very important to yeah, me. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. Maybe don't do that. Like, Octavia's so far gone that she's like, yeah, so we can kill Murphy, Amori, Echo, Raven, Kane, Abby. It's fine. Whatever. I'm like, girl, you gotta chill. Yeah, I'm not about that. She, But she thinks that they're acceptable losses. Ooh, she's bringing in the title. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? They're not acceptable losses. Yeah, unacceptable losses. Yeah, more like. <laughs> and then she calls Clark- Clever. <laughs> I hate us. I hate a us. A prefix. So much. Add a prefix. Yeah. Grammar jokes. <laughs> Can you make that the, the, the joke at the top? Oh, yeah, for that, sure. I think that one was funny. A prefix, a pre- yeah. yeah. Come through, prefix. <laughs> Octavia calls Clark one Hedda and throws she and Bellamy's past in their faces. I think it is such a big deal that she called Clark one Hedda. Well, like, yeah, because what you mean, just because, like, Clark has moved in past that? In my mind, that? I don't think Clark ever really moved past one Hedda. Okay. I think that it's something that she carries with her forever. Mm-hmm. I think it was a label that was given to her during her time with Lexa. Well, I mean, that's another thing is that, like, the label was never, she never, like, labeled herself that. Like, Blood mm-hmm. Raina was basically labeled herself. Yeah. But, but Clark never wanted to yeah. be one Hedda. Like, but she, she was just called embraced that. it and took it on right. for herself. And I think, I think she wanted to move past it, but it is always a part of her. And mm-hmm. Octavia very much is still living six years ago. And right. Octavia is looking at Clark as someone who was willing to sacrifice Octavia herself. Yeah. So, to Octavia, that, that's the commander of death right there. Mm-hmm. Oof. This reminds me, of, every time that Clark is called Juan Hedda, it just reminds me of Jasper. Yep. I don't know, Jasper always called her that, like, a, as a, as a, uh, not a slur, but, like, as an insult, as a biting mm-hmm. thing to say, you know? So, like, I wonder if she thinks of being called Juan Hedda as, as, um, as, you know, hateful. I think it is an insult. Yeah. But it, it is also who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, now she's just Maddie's mom. Yeah. And that's nice, too. Maddie's like, my mom kills people sometimes. And I like her so much. (laughs) And I like her so much. Um, also, I like that she also included, like, the, I love that this episode remembered that, you know, even though Clark and Bellamy are the heroes, they've done some really bad stuff that is not heroic at all. Yep. That's the truth. And yeah, everyone had their reasons, but that doesn't mean that those things are any less horrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with Kane and the culling. They're they're horrifying things that have happened. Yeah. So Octavia's kind of valid in pointing these things out. My whole struggle here is Bellamy didn't need to kill those people in the field. I know there's a lot of debate about him slaughtering tree crew, but at the end of the day, it was a preemptive measure to a war that wasn't guaranteed. Yeah. This feels like the same thing. It feels like Octavia fighting this war is a preemptive measure to a war that is also not guaranteed. Right. And like, I get that, you know, on, on a smaller level, on a smaller field, I think that like, if, you know, (laughs) this is like boiling it down way, way, way down. But if you're like, I'm going camping, like think of camping as a war. (laughs) You're like, I'm going camping. I know there will be mosquitoes there. I'll put on mosquito spray. 
that's what it that, like that's what it like on a way bigger scale obviously but like you want to take preemptive measures for things that you know are going to be trying to attack you but at the same time there's a difference between putting on bug spray to stop mosquitoes biting you and burning down the forest to kill all the mosquitoes right or like doing the thing where like you have hmm yeah it's like the thing where you like trap the mosquitoes and then they like die a death exactly yeah there's there's preventative mm. measures, which is what Monty exactly. wants. And then there's murderous measures, which is what Octavia right. wants. So the mosquito metaphor was actually quite a neat metaphor. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. Dude. I hate mosquitoes. Oh my god, I have great news for you about living in Vancouver. There aren't any? Frick no. Ah! This is the best news. I have seen a grand total of one mosquito. That just changed my life. Octavia has like no, she's already throwing Clark pack mm-hmm. past in her face. Um, Kara's test showed that the worms multiplied faster in a live body. And Clark's like, that's barbaric. And Octavia's like, you and your mom and everyone sacrificed Bayless to test it on him. And Dick Clark's like, oh my god, I right. love this. That means that, like, not only did all of Juan crew, like, have a sharing circle all the time, but so did Miller and Octavia. Like, they hung out. Oh, because those two were, like, hanging out in 502, right? Weren't those two, like, hanging out and they were yeah. sparring or something, right? I feel like they're bros. Like, yeah. I feel like now Miller might be a little too, like, afraid of her. And, like, obviously she's a completely different person. And, like, that's why Nyla doesn't really talk to her either, I assume. I think Nyla is fanatical about Octavia. Yeah, but they don't really, like, hang out. Or, do you think? I I think I think Octavia is, like, like maybe she goes to the Nyla. Church of Octavia, but they don't, like, watch movies. Yeah, yeah. They, don't, they don't chill. Which sucks, because Nyla could totally use a chill slash, yeah. like, huh. girlfriend. What? Still waiting for Nitavia, but okay. anyway, at this point, I don't want Nitavia. Oh, true. I really did. Yeah. I really wanted it before, though. I'm sorry. I did want it before. Yeah. Oh, went nuts. Womp. But either way, her and Miller are bros. They have not necessarily recently, but they have gossiped, and everyone knows mm-hmm. Clark's secret. So O doesn't want Echo or anyone to die, but it's a war, and she needs the eye in the sky so that she can march. And I'm like. You might not want anyone to die, but you're kind of chill Maybe with you it, do so. want everyone to die. It's like, cool. And I think this is really important because at this point, I don't know if we need Dioza flashbacks because I feel like we're seeing the birth of Dioza through October. Right, right, right. Because um, I said, what did I say? I said that Murphy to McCreary was Echo to Octavia. I said Echo to Octavia, Octavia. but now I want to, now I want to change that. Hmm. Yeah. Because I really feel like this is... How Dioza right. was thinking towards the end. All right, so everyone's like, "Hey, mm-hmm. Octavia's nuts." So Clark, Bellamy, Harper, and Monty decide that they're gonna be yeah. like babysitters club, and like they're gonna come mm-hmm. up. Actually, it's more like Scooby in the gang, yeah. and the algae is Scooby. So it's they're just gonna come up with a Scooby plan. demoted to plant. I mean, sure. Why not? It's not yeah. like Shaggy wasn't smoking the plants. They're going to take the rover and rescue their people from Shallow Valley before Octavia can march on it. I love this plan. I stand this plan. Please go rescue my wife and her husband and Raven I mean, like, it, and it, it Echo. It could use everybody. some work, but like as far as plans go, like it is yeah. a plan. It, yeah. sure, it sure is a plan. So far, And it's yeah. the best one they've got, except that Monty is like, no, this is not it. This is not the way that we should do this. He reads out Jasper's suicide note, and he basically comes to the conclusion that they're stuck in a constant cycle of war with no way out, and the 
biggest problem mm-hmm. in the cycle is humanity. And Monty agrees with all of this. He agrees with what Jasper says. Humanity is the problem and war isn't worth it because humanity isn't worth it. I cannot tell you how happy it. I was to hear what actually was in the letter. Because like if Clark had just yeah. given it to him, I would have been like, oh, okay, well, there it goes. Never to know what actually it said. And instead we actually get to... I like that, you know, retroactively, we get to understand where Jasper's head was at more, you know, especially right after the City of Light, when he's really in a place where he's like, you know, humanity invented Allie and humanity allowed the path for people like Becca to do things like that. So why are they worth saving? All of his Jasper, like, content, sole um, responsibility goes to Aaron. Because we know that ja- that Jason listens to meditation and yeah. Aaron was so messed up about the fact that, like, what happened to Jasper, that I, like, secretly, totally, fully mm-hmm. believe that it was Aaron who made all this happen. And I want to just, like, this is why I believe that constructive mm-hmm. criticism in yeah. media is really important. Because when you communicate in a healthy way why you have an issue with something, you can enact real change. And that's what happened here is Aaron and Metastation and many of us said, as people who suffer from bad mental health, we feel that this portrayal was not not realistic and wasn't fair and kind of made us feel like villains. And they 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 retroactively fixed it, which I think is wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I feel, I know I personally feel a lot better about Jasper's arc, um, after the fact, now that yeah. these things have been laid out. I wish they had happened sooner. I wish that we'd gotten to spend mm-hmm. that time with Jasper instead of having to hear about it afterwards. But given the amount of options left at this point, you can't go back and change it. So Also, can I just go back really now. quick and say how much I love... Like, obviously, I don't want anything bad to happen to Indra, but, like, seeing surprise on Indra's face is, like, exciting because she's, like, always so composed and she, like, always knows what's going on. So I think that was cool. Yeah, I love that. I love that Indra's arc this season is very much, she loves Octavia, she wants to protect Octavia, but at this point, she kind of has to protect Octavia from herself. And Octavia knows that, and she doesn't like it. Because it's just like, I I think in Octavia's brain, it's one more person trying to control her like Bellamy did. So, elsewhere, Mm -hmm. the kicked out member of the Scoop gang, Scrappy. I've made that joke. Is planning for war. Like three times already, but I think it's so funny. (laughs) Indra says that Octavia hasn't slept and Octavia proceeds to throw a temper tantrum. This is the leader of the people and she is throwing stuff like a teenager. Mm. So they decide to have a little confrontation because mothers and daughters fight. O didn't tell Indra about the worms and Indra didn't tell O about Cain. And Indra says, you know what? Even though I did that, I don't regret any of it. It hurt me, but Mm -hmm. I don't regret it because she wants to save Octavia for herself. (laughs) And Octavia is like, frick you, mom. You don't know me. I'm living my own dream. And Indra says, be careful of the dark, Octavia. Too easy to lose your way. I need to know all the Indra backstory on how she came to learn this lesson. But I think this is also a great Mm. parallel to whatever went on with Indra and Gaia when she lost Gaia the first time. Because she probably saw Gaia going down the road of like, you know, the flame keepers and wanted to save her from that and then i think indra went to a dark place after gaia left but i want to see it i want to hear about it i don't think so it's been a while so like i just have like these notes that are like point form that i'm like i don't even know where this comes in (laughs) yeah freaking fair i'm just gonna keep going and then just interrupt me okay 
So, Clark and Bellamy finally get eyes yes, on Yes, yes. Why did I type this? Are you ready for the sentence that I typed up? Clark and Bellamy finally get eyes that, on the like eye in really the sky. That's a really cool, like, start of a poem. Yes. Why did I... Yeah, a Dr. Seuss one. So, they need to go get the rover and get everyone out of the shallow valley before Octavia finds Woo! out they have control of the eye. Because Echo succeeded! Woohoo! And Bellamy knows that Echo is alive and he's very Thank relieved. Bob. Thank Bob. So, Bellamy goes yep. to find Monty. And Monty is not having it. Like, he, he doesn't want to go with them. He doesn't want it. He hates everything. <laughs> Monty's having his hot topic moment, but he's so valid. He's, oh yeah, big mood. They both miss Jasper. Bellamy says that he should have been with them. He thinks that, you know, Jasper mm-hmm. gave up. And I like that Monty's like, no, he didn't. Because people think that suicide is giving up when in reality, it's a last resort. And I think that Monty always thought that, but also, like, Bellamy didn't read the note. Yeah. Like, Monty knows. Yeah. And Monty says that they don't save their friends by fighting a war, but by stopping yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I love one I love one man in the whole world. It's Monty Amber. I I really hope that this actually comes to fruition. I feel like it's going to, because this show does sometimes get stuck in a rut, mm-hmm. where it's just... Oh, is it war? And then either war is thwarted or they go to war and then there's the after effects of war and then there's a new war. And it's like, right. what if everyone just chilled out and ate some berries? At least on Riverdale, they have musicals. Yeah, like we shake it up every <laughs> once in a while with a musical episode. So Monty wants to save the world with algae. Oh, make algae I not war. I love him so much. And he wants to fuel the hydro farm with algae like the little nerd he is. But Bellamy's like, hey, our friends come first. And then Monty says he misses space. But Chekhov's algae. I love my sweet little demisexual boy. He is. He's so sweet. And he just wants to save the world with plants. And I want I want this win for Monty. Me too. I want this to, I want this to succeed for him. I love him. So Clark watches the novitiates fight for Octavia's entertainment. Mm. And I'm like, why are y'all doing this again? Yeah, what's the... For Octavia's entertainment, like, it's so weird. Like, is Octavia looking for a second, or was she just kind of, like, overseeing stuff? I'm like, don't you have other stuff to be She's doing? She's like, I don't have television down here. Wow, that's I like fighting shows. True. Please fight. So, do they really- You know what? You'd think they'd have some kind of form of TV well, down there. Well, I think they have, they like, screens. some books. I think. Like, you'd think Kadagoon would be like, oh, man, I'm gonna load up the Star Wars mm. franchise. Like, the very least. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, by the time 2040 rolled around, they probably had, what, 40 Star mm-hmm. Wars movies? I don't know. Octavia demands that Maddie fight next because she knows Ooh. that Clark trained her well. Hi. Um, Hi! I'm pretty sure this is where it comes in, but, like, I think it's the boy that's, like, going to fight Ethan, but then she chooses Maddie's name is Jonas. How did you find out this I'm pretty sure name? she says it. Um, okay. And is he your new yeah, obsession Jonas, now? Yeah, Jonas, you're next. No, I just like when I was in eighth grade, we read The Giver for school, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that the main character of The Giver's name is Jonas, a twelve year old boy named Jonas. And I always remembered that because because at the time I loved the Jonas Brothers. I don't want to. I'm talk just to like you telling you how I remember. And so I always like really loved the name Jonas, even as a, a first name. But anyway, I just want this to be a reference to not the Jonas Brothers, but The Giver, maybe. I am so disappointed in you right now. Why? Because you could have made a lost reference and you didn't. Why? Who 
does Naveen play on Sense8? His name is Jonas. Okay, but that's not even a Lost reference. It is. Naveen was in Lost. Just because Naveen was in Lost. Anyway, you brought it up, so it's fine. Okay, so you're allowed to reach with numbers. <laughs> But I'm not allowed to reach with actual actors that were involved in the project. You are absolutely allowed to reach. You just can't assume I'm going to reach. It's my mistake. <laughs> um. Anyway, I don't think this is a reference to The Giver at all. Like, even if it, like if it is, then cool. But like, I liked The Giver when I read it, and it's uh. Okay, so this is what's cool is it's set in a society which at first appears to be utopian, but is revealed to be dystopian. Ooh, that's one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. Ooh, tell me more, tell me more. It will take too okay. long, but um, everyone knows what I'm talking but about. But basically what happens is, like, everybody is the same, and, like, everything emotional is, like, taken away, and... Vulcans? Basically, every, like, there's one person who's supposed to get, like, everything, like, all of the memories in the entire world, mm-hmm. and then, like, at some point, I think at the beginning, or at the end, they, like finally learn how to like see color again or something i don't know anyway i don't think it's if it's a reference cool but if it's not then it doesn't really matter i like that (laughs) so maddie's up and she kind of like half like half fakes it but her need to i think it's her need to impress octavia and to look strong and to prove herself sort of overrides everything else and she kicks ethan's well Here's my thing about this is just like you you watch it and you're like, oh, Maddie, like you're supposed to fake it. What's wrong with you? But when I think like if the person that I have idolized for six years, I have to stand in front of them and, and like pretend that I suck when I don't couldn't suck, do it. couldn't, I couldn't do it. Nope. I want to look cool in front of this person. Like I don't get it because it's Octavia and Octavia, like we've seen Octavia start as like a little butterfly chaser and now she's like terrifying. But, you know, Maddie thinks that she's a badass and like thinks that she's like the coolest person in the world. And now that Octavia knows that she's a human being, knows that she's, like, a person, she can't just pretend, like, she can pretend in front of all the other kids, but as soon as Octavia's there, it's like, yikes. And that's why when Octavia's like, hey, do you want to be my second? Maddie's like, listen, I should say no, my mom's gonna be really Uh, mad, but this is, like, everything I've ever dreamed about for six whole years. This is the most realistic thing. Like, people are like, why did Maddie do that? I'm like, because she's a teenage girl. she thinks Octavia's so cool. She just wants to be just like Octavia. Yeah. I get it. And she thinks she's, like, she thinks she's right about stuff. She thinks Clark is being overprotective. She doesn't understand how dangerous Yeah, she's not Octavia in the room where is. it happens, you know? How is she supposed to know? Yep. Like, of anyone's judgment, it's not Maddie's judgment that I actually, yeah. like, judge right. here. It's Octavia. Because Octavia's like, hey, I need a second. And I'm Why like, she's a kid. Why is this Anya and Triss? It is, but when it was Anya and Triss, it was out of love that they trained them. And Octavia yeah. is using Maddie as a tool. Just to get to Clark, I think. Yeah. And that sucks for Maddie. I would hate to, like, be brought up and, like, hang out with, like, the person that I love the most and then have it turn out that it was just about Well, you know what they say, never meet your idols. And the thing that I find interesting here is that Octavia had all of this knowledge at her disposal Mm -hmm. the entire time through Clark, but she doesn't want Clark because Clark is not, you can't influence Clark, you can't change Clark's mind. Clark is Clark. Maddie is young and impressionable and you can get her to do whatever And that's, and it's Clark's weak spot. And, Yeah. Yep. So she she now controls two people. She controls Clark through yep. Maddie, and she controls Maddie. So yep. she made a deal with the devil. So Clark goes mm-hmm. full Wanheta, and it's time to kick some butt. Clark, I feel like I feel like through a lot of this season, Clark's been laying. In I, I think it's so weird that she's like, "Is that okay, Clark?" And Clark is like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I think I definitely agree. And then like the face goes so dark. Like Clark has been very reactive. And now this is the point where she becomes proactive. Like she knew that at some point she was going to have to like spring into action and like save Maddie from whatever. And she's like, okay, like I thought it was earlier this season, but it's not. It's it's now. And like. I'm personally fine with this because on on rewatch when you binge it all, you can see the very slow but steady progression of Clark slowly losing it and becoming angrier and angrier. Yeah. The farther into the season she gets because she thought Dioza was going to be the enemy and it turns out it's Octavia. Oh, and she never saw that coming. That's so yeah. sad. And that's why I think her choosing to ally with Dioza is such a great Clark moment because it's not only turning the whole story on its head, it's the opposite of what one Hedda would do, but it is also what one Hedda would do. Mm-hmm. So actually going back, she marches into where the Scooby gang is and Bellamy tells her they don't have time to focus on Maddie. They have to get to echo. And right. everyone interpreted this as Bellamy not caring about Maddie. I think it's more like Bellamy's like, dude, go get your kid. We got to go. Exactly. Like, he doesn't understand um, the magnitude of Octavia, like, really taking Maddie in. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, you know, after she's done soccer practice, go get her because we have, like, music lessons later. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go. We got a carpool. (laughs) And Clark has a different idea. She's gonna stop the cycle and makes, like, Monty so proud. Just, Monty, I know, is so proud of Clark. So Hi, I love Monty. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. You love Monty. Yeah. Oh, that was it. That was the whole thing. Yep. Okay, so Clark calls Dioza and asks what it would take for her to share the valley. Dioza says she wants an unconditional surrender. Yeah. Monty goes, hey, oh, we'll never do that. And Clark's like, that's why we're going to take Octavia out. And I'm like, murder? Question mark, question mark, question mark? If, if they kill Octavia, who's next in line? Maddie. Maddie. <laughs> They're like, actually. <laughs> so she's like, hey, Maddie's going to be my second. Is that okay? Clark's like, actually, perfect. Yeah, great. Go for it. But also she doesn't want Maddie leading. She'll just... Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh my gosh. Lose, lose. Like, that was the whole problem with, like, the novitiates in the Conclave in the first place was... Yeah. Kids like Lex are traumatized from young ages on having to kill everyone. Like, that obviously screwed up Luna. Mm -hmm. They have to break that cycle, too. Yeah. And so that's it. That's it. That's all for 507. Cool. Is it time for segments? Yes, it's time for segments. So now it's time for segments. So my first segment is called the Post-Apocalyptic Sass Watch. And um, my uh, favorite line award this episode goes to Maddie for... Great. Maybe when we fight the war there, I won't have to suck. Oh, I, I love that, that scene. So good. And mine goes to Marcus Kane for his devastatingly romantic yet heart-wrenching speech to Abby Griffin. Because he's made a couple of those this season, but this one was real good. Ouch. And can we give an honorable mention? Yeah. I want to give it to Harper for... Your sister officially scares me. Yeah, that's good. Um, And now my segment... Okay. My segment is CGSW. But guys, this season I think we have to change it. Okay, what do you want to change it to? I think it should be OBSW. Octavia Blake Shower Watch. Yeah, because that girl Man, has that not... that doesn't yeah. sound right. It doesn't, but I think it's necessary. Okay. 
Because I don't think that girl has showered or washed her hair in six years. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, Octavia has not showered, but it would be cool if she did. And now it's time for the most valuable protagonist award. I'm trying to figure out who this week's MVP is. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Monty. Yeah, I was going to say it has to be Monty. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. And my last segment is the Marcus Kane beard appreciation. Um, good beard, sad yeah. beard, sad, but really good beard. Yeah. Um, how many episodes since the last murder? Zero. Alas. Yeah. There was another murder. Of a red shirt. So we should, really should have seen that coming. Shout out to Tariq. I thought he died before, but he didn't. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you are so inclined, please give us a review on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. And you can send us an email if you want your uh, thoughts uh, uh, put out into the world at aficionadospodcast.gmail.com. And if you're a fan of Riverdale, we finished covering season two. We also have season one. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. I certainly am. And we have guests on that podcast, which is so super fun. So if you uh, listen to this podcast and you're also a fan of Lost slash the Lost podcast, hit me up. I want you on the podcast with us. We would love to hear your thoughts. I love when we have guests because they always have like way different ideas than Mm -hmm. we do. Yeah. You can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, literally just the whole shit. The only thing we don't have is Pinterest. Yeah. We have our own, like, separate Pinterests for that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. Like we said uh, before, if you like what we do here, please consider donating. It really, really helps us. It's only uh, once a month. One dollar is the smallest you can do. So that would, like, even a dollar is super helpful. And we love uh, seeing that you guys support us. So thank you. Yeah. A dollar? What is that from? Price is Right. One dollar! A dollar's a big deal on The Price is Right and on The Aficionados. You can follow me on Twitter at Appertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And I also run at The Hundred Script. Uh, We haven't posted in a while, but that's because I went on vacation. But we'll be starting Nevermore uh, real soon. You monster! Sorry. Join us for our next episode, which is 508, How We Get to Peace, which we have already seen. But for some reason, we all thought it was, like, called Secret Weapon for a long time. Do you know why that was? Uh, yeah, it was actually what you were talking about earlier. You know how, um, celebrities leak secrets? Oh. They leaked different episode names to see what would happen. Cute! Yeah. I love that. I was like, damn, that's (laughs) sneaky. Nice. Um, that's up. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Bye!